What did it take to survive an ancient siege? Why was the cult of Dionysus behind so many slave revolts in ancient Rome? What's the tragic history and mythology behind Japan's most haunted ancient forest? We're Jen. And Jenny. From Ancient History Fangirl. Join us to explore ancient history and mythology from a fun, sometimes tipsy perspective. Find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode deals with Egyptian love poetry. It contains erotic sentiments and sexuality, and it may not be suitable for younger listeners. Now is your chance to send them away, preferably to scribal school. When the home is empty, grab a cup of wine, sit by the Nile, and enjoy the tale of a couple finding love. Palm trees sway in a gentle breeze, the sound of wind rustling through the leaves. The air is warm, the sun shines gently on a perfect day. In the seclusion of a garden, two Egyptians share a moment of love. A young woman sits on a reed mat. Her hair is plaited, worn long, in the fashion of 1400 BCE. Her dress is white linen, which rests gently against her skin, and reveals far more than it hides. On her arms, bracelets of carnelian or turquoise are brightened by the sun. Her hands hold a lyre. The woman sings to a man who sits beside her. He wears his hair short, close-cropped. His kilt is white linen, his chest bare. Deep bronze skin shimmers in the light, and his muscles are well-defined from good, honest work. Around his neck, the man wears a string with a beautiful amulet of faience. A man of means, he enjoys a holiday alongside the woman he desires. The couple in the garden are wrapped in each other's attentions. They are well on the way to partnership, perhaps of forming a household together. In these days of courtship, both feel the tingling desire of a lover close at hand. Our protagonist holds a lyre in her hands and plucks the strings, reciting poetry to the man. She has invited him to her family home to meet the parents and to sample some of her skills. The couple have eaten a fine repast which now sits abandoned behind them. Cups of wine, a rare treat, warm their bellies and they loll happily in the warm sunshine. Behind them, in the house, an elderly woman watches discreetly from a window. The mother keeps a sharp eye. As the girl plucks the strings, she demonstrates the artistry that she has been privileged to learn. Rare among Egyptians, her family was wealthy enough to afford musical education and a costly instrument made of wood. Now these skills are put to use as she uses her voice to delight and capture her lover's heart. The first poem she recites is a popular one of the time, being sung in parties and gatherings throughout the land. Where she picked it up, she does not say, but the words are music to her lover's ears. Quote, Palm trees, heavy with dates, B. 
bend over my private garden. Among such towering friends, grow tall toward your private dream. Dear heart, it is I am your chiefest love, and I give back that love, am yours. Take me in my gift of garden. I planted it, I weeded it, loved it, nursed it to bear this thicket of colours, heady with foreign blossoms, heavy with all sweet native flowers. A fountain plays in my garden, bubbles below the tall sun, for dipping your hand in while we lie, easy, waiting for the cool of northern sea breeze that springs upriver at twilight. A charming spot to stroll, your hand covering mine. My body enjoys, relaxes, plays. Oh, how my heart is high, matching the swing of our going together, halves of a single love. The sound of your voice is sweet, full like the taste of date wine. And I, drunken girl in a tangle of flowers, live only a captive to hear it. But to have you here always, tall in my garden, devour you with my hungry eyes. Love, I'd be raised a pure spirit, translated, hovering high over earth. See me go, light-hearted, walking on air, full of such love. I scorn insubstantial the grossness of eating, drinking light-headed the bright date wine. The girl sings of her surroundings. She looks up to the palm trees which tower overhead, and plucks the strings of her lyres to the rhythm of the breeze. Following her gaze, the man is drawn into the beauty of this garden, and the words of another song fill the space. Quote, my eternal love, believe, desire is measured out to me as much as to you. So let me do, dear heart, my heart's desire with you. Here I am in your arms, but let me paint my eyes, I beg, to see you as a brilliance that dazzles them, and I crave shade and shadow. I curl against you, for I would know again the mastery by which you prove how well you love me. Oh, past master of my heart, remembering that hour, hushed and holy, out of eternity a moment came to mark me, that night I slept with you. My eager heart leaps towards you now, saying, Yes, I am the one for him that I love, in the night that belongs to me. Having explored the setting of their meeting, and described the pleasure she feels in his company, the girl now becomes more forward with her suitor. She leans into the desire and is open about her feelings. Using a popular and erotic song, she sings to her lover as if their consummation is already a done deal. Perhaps she has decided it is. Have you ever felt pulled towards your lover? Like a Looney Tunes character, heart thudding comically out of their chest, being dragged forward towards the one they want? I imagine something like this, when the girl says her heart leaps towards you now. Desire is strong within her, and they are pulled towards one another, all but throwing themselves into the fray. Restraint keeps them at bay. That mother is still watching from the window. She is not going anywhere just yet. The girl finishes her recital and bends down to reach her cup. As she does, her hair falls forward, framing her face, 
the man smiles at the joy of her visage. She lifts the cup, takes a sip, quenching her thirst with wine. As she does this, a small trickle forms at the corner of her mouth. Acting quickly, the man reaches out to brush it away. She smiles, leaning into his touch slightly, and they enjoy a moment of warmth. As the morning heats up, the couple are sweating, feeling the warmth in the air. The girl, clutching her lyre, decides to draw her lover's attention away from the heat and towards more pleasant scenarios. Plucking the strings once more, she paints an image of a delightful moment. Quote, Imagine, love, how I'd slip down to the pond, bathe with you close by on the bank. Just for you, I'd wear my new Memphis dress, made of sheer linen, fit for a queen. Come, see how it looks in the water. Couldn't I coax you to wade in with me? Let the cool creep slowly around us? And then I'd dive down deep and come up for you, dripping. Let you fill your eyes with the little red fish that I'd caught. And I'd say, standing there tall in the shallows, Look at my fish, love. How it lies in my hand. How my fingers caress it. Slip down its sides. But then I'd say, softer. Eyes bright with your seeing. A gift, love. No words. Come closer. And look. It's all me. In her lover's eye, the girl emerges from the water. Her dress is sheer, clinging to her hips, her shoulders, her breasts. She comes forth like a goddess in the Nile. His eyes are filled with sight of her. The girl now paints her desire visually. If the man is not hot and heavy, he must be cold-blooded indeed. Her invitation is there. All he needs to do is reach out and take it. He can't, of course. That mother is still watching from the house. The man keeps his cool, though it is hard, and he listens patiently to his lover's words. The day is long yet. There is plenty of time to burn. The girl takes a last sip of her wine. The lover does the same. They are not drunk, but certainly there is a warm glow in their limbs that has nothing to do with sex. As the sun shines bright, the couple sweat gently in the gleam. That cool breeze strokes them both, penetrating the fabric of their clothes to dance lightly upon their skin. As the afternoon heat waxes its best, the girl turns to her final poem. Tuning her lute, the girl brushes her hair deliberately over one shoulder, hand fiddling momentarily at the clasp. This is the signal. In the house, the mother disappears. Privacy descends on the garden. The girl is ready. Once more, her fingers play across the strings. She begins to recite, and as she does, she shrugs gently. In the warm sunlight, under her lover's rapt gaze, the woman's dress falls away. Quote, I found my love by the secret canal, feet dangling down in the water, he had made a hushed space in the thicket for worship, to dedicate this day to sacred praise of the flesh. My love brings to light what is hidden. My breast and thigh go bare, go bare, now raised on high towards his altar, praised. Ah, oh, 
A tall man is more than his shoulders. As she finishes, the woman leans towards her partner. She whispers a question. He replies as she desires. The man reaches behind him and brings forth a gift. It is a token of his intentions, and the lady accepts it warmly. She takes it, and her hand brushes his. The fire roars within them, and they lean in closer, closer. A few months later, and the man and woman reside in the house together. The woman has accepted the man's proposal and allowed him into her home. In the ancient Egyptian manner, they are now man and wife, a pact formed in that sunny, breezy garden. The mother tends to the happy couple, her satisfaction palpable with the girl's successful draw. The man is a praiseworthy individual, accomplished and respected in his work, attentive to his household. He brings good wealth into the home, and the couple already talk of expanding the building to accommodate children. Humming to herself, the mother lights a wick for the goddess Hathor. She utters a quick prayer of thanks for the goddess's help in a successful plan. These poems come from two sources. The first pair, Palm Trees and My Always Love, come from about 1400 BCE, copied down onto the great Papyrus Harris as part of a larger corpus of works. The second pair, How I'd Love to Slip Down to the Pond and I Found My Love by the Secret Canal, were copied down around 1250 BCE, during the Halcyon days of the 19th dynasty. Combining these poems, we get a lovely story of love drawing ever closer, and passion burning brightly within the hearts and loins of two Egyptian lovers. As with our previous poetry recitals, the line between romantic and erotic love is blurry in Egyptian sources. Perhaps they didn't care much about the distinction, or didn't see why the two should be separated at all. In an age before medieval court poems, or the commodification of romance today, Poetry like this speaks of joys shared in a happy moment, unperturbed by anxieties or pressures to conform. Honest, unaffected, they share good feelings, emotional and physical, that entwine like a lover's limbs around hip and heart. (laughs) 